Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O.com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by someone I am really excited to speak with. Sherilyn Castleman is the Managing Partner of CGI Executive Coaching and the Chief Learning Officer for Sisters in Sales, the first national organization to serve women of color in professional sales careers. Now, Sherilyn's done it all. For over 20 years, she's had massive success as a salesperson selling to global, large enterprise organizations. She's had huge success as a leader of sales teams, and now she's coaching sales teams worldwide. Sherilyn speaks at a number of conferences each year, has published numerous articles in some of the biggest publications, and recently, she's released her new book, What's in the Cards? Five Post-Pandemic Sales Strategies. Today, she joins us to talk about post-pandemic selling. What's changed? What are the new non-negotiables? And how to connect with clients in a brave new world? I am so excited to have her share how the importance of connections and relationships have changed, and these five things you got to get right in the post-pandemic era. Sherilyn, so glad to have you with me today. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Rob. I'm thrilled to be here and excited to share with you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one. I, I follow the the things that you do and I'm a fan of your work and I and I'm so excited for our listeners to get a taste of what you got to offer today. So why don't we just dive right in? Like you're leading two organizations right now, uh at CGI and Sisters and Sales. Can, can you share just a little bit about the organizations and, and kind of what you're doing to help those those members and customers that you work with? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for the kind introduction, Rob. That was fabulous. Um, So Sisters in Sales is an organization that started about four years ago, 
And we have three pillars of our organization. The first of them is to create a community where black and brown women can come together. Um, these are sales professionals, uh, women of color. And one of the things that I know from my experience is, you know, Rob, I know what it's like to get on a plane with nine people from my team and go out to a client and walk in the boardroom. There's 14 people in the room. I'm leading the RFP. It's a $34 million RFP, and I am the only person and only woman of color in the room. Mm. So many women of color, that's what it's like. So Sisters in Sales gives us an opportunity to create a community. Second of all, my goal and my mission is to help these women be too good to be ignored. And so, and how I do that is I coach, I train, I lead master classes, I lead forums and panel discussions and write a lot of blogs. So women of color can look at my blogs and say, hey, I'm like her, I can do this too. Anybody can learn to sell. And I challenge and I encourage women of color to learn the sales skills. And the third mission of Sisters in Sales is to help companies that are committed to increasing their diversity. Diversity is not only just good commitment, it is good for business. And so what we do is we have a program that's called Attract, Hire, and Retain. And we partner with major companies um, to help them attract, hire, and retain women of color in sales. And so one of, um, Rob, one of my mentors said, if you criticize somebody, you raise their defensiveness, but if you challenge people, you raise their game. So the first thing I'm gonna do, Rob, is challenge your listeners is, yeah. you know, go. And, and so I'm going to do that throughout our conversation today. Okay, and let's do it. Over and over again. So first of all, if you're a woman of color, I challenge you, check out Sisters in Sales. It's S-I-S-T-A-S-I-N-S-I-S-T-S-A-L-E-S. Sisters in Sales is what it is. So check that out. Number two, if you are an organization and you are interested in adding more women of color to your organization, to your sales team, Connect with me on LinkedIn. Connect with 10 people on LinkedIn who don't look like you. Mm. That's how we expand the diversity. Right now, if everybody on LinkedIn looks like you, how in the world are you going to add people to your sales team and add more diversity? And also, you can go to Sisters in Sales and link and click on partnerships if you want to learn more about how we partner with organizations. Second of all, I'm an executive coach and sales trainer for CGI, and I work with companies who want to um, one of the best ways to retain diverse candidates is to bond them to your company. And you bond them to your company by coaching, training, sponsoring, and mentoring them. And I lead cohorts. Um, and one of the cohorts that I was just leading with um, a major company with T-Mobile, um, nice. some of their women have had, so T-Mobile gave me six women to coach and train for six months. Okay. Um, we just finished that cohort. They're getting ready to repeat it. Um, and there are women who were, for example, they had a one to three percent email open. They now have a twelve to thirteen percent email open. There's wow. one woman who was at a two hundred and thirty-four percent increase in her in her quota. And these are some of the results that women get when they are coached and trained and mentored. I love your story. I love your mission. We could just end the episode right here and say, <laughs> "Do more of that," and we'd all be better off. Um, Thank I'm, you. I, I'm a huge fan of coaching. That's what much of this podcast turns to. I love those success stories on what coaching does. And um, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll build off of that. That, That's so fantastic. Before we dive into more of that, I always like asking our guests, and I'm super excited to get yours because your story is so interesting uh, as we've gotten to know each other a little bit. 
uh, I'd love for you to share just a tiny bit about your career, just how you got started in sales. Listen, you're, you've had this amazing career in life sciences, SaaS. You, you've been involved in big deals, small deals, medium-sized deals. But I love how you kind of got started and, and how that led you to where you are now. Could you just do just a little bit of what got you started? Because most of us are accidentally involved in sales and then fall in love with it and, make, and, and become intentionally successful, right? Um, yes. So, Rob, I started in sales. I started selling Girl Scout cookies before they yes. sold a dollar a box. Okay. <laughs> so, do the math. I've been selling for a long time. I've done nothing but sales my entire career. Yes. Um, you know, what, it's. What's your uh, favorite Girl Scout cookie flavor? Oh, That's what I got. Thin mint. Thin mint. That's okay. it. Thin mints. It, you know, I, I eat a whole box of thin mints once a year and then I'm done. You know, I, I just, I will buy them and then I just donate them. Every time a girl comes up to me, I'm, I'm a sucker. I buy, I challenge her. I give her a few coaching tips. I buy a whole bunch and then I just donate them back to the troop or to somebody else. That's so great. So you started in Girl Scout cookies and then you just, I, that's just been the rest. You, you never um, look back. You've always been well, selling yeah. stuff. And then, uh, and then from there, I went into debit sales, and I don't know if you know anything about debit mm. insurance. That's where um, in the inner city or rural area, they usually hang a little envelope on their door with 50 cents or a dollar in it, and the debit agent comes by and picks up their insurance premium every week or every month. Wow. Um, because nobody would hire um, me as an insurance agent. That's the only job I could get. Okay. Um, I then joined American Express and sold insurance and financial planning in Europe for several years. And when I came back, I moved, went into life science and healthcare and been selling SaaS ever since. Okay. Um, Love so it. Nothing but sales. So I, the reason I like asking is just, it's always good for our listeners to kind of get a taste of where you're coming from. So you, you've, you've done it all. Literally, you've, been, you've seen all kinds of sales. And that's super important for what I think is going to be a great conversation for us today. So Thank you, Rob. Yeah, no. I was just going to say, and when my career ended, I was managing a $260 million book of business, managing a sales team, um, selling into Anthem and Merck and United Healthcare. So yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been a sales leader. I've I've been, like I said, so I started out selling, you know, cookies when they were really inexpensive. And (laughs) my last RFP was uh, like $72 million. So So from a $1 deal to a $72 million deal, you can cover all those bases. (laughs) Not not all of them, but most of them, you know, I like it. I like it. My kind of person here. All right. So, um, why don't we start? We got a lot of places to go. I, I mean, you got this mission that I'm super interested in. You got a book that I'm really excited about. Why don't we start with that and then just jump into the rest of your mission and the conversation okay. types? We're in a new world in this post pandemic, and, and there's some things that have changed. I think that's relevant to everyone. Can we start talking about what made you want to write that book and what some of your observations were that made you feel like this was something we needed to talk about? Absolutely. So, Rob, I was just like you. If you think back to that pivotal moment in March of 2020, that moment where you thought, wow, things have changed. And for some people, it's, you know, you took your laptop home for the weekend and you still are working from home. Maybe you've become the second grade teacher, the fourth grade teacher, the tech guy at home uh, because your kids are still home. And so I was teaching financial fluency courses um, to a, a couple companies and I realized, and, and, and what I would do is I would go in and put 10Ks down on the table and they would take their highlighters out and they would, I was teaching them how to read 10Ks in wow. preparation for enterprise sales. And I thought, how do I teach this virtually? What am mm-hmm. I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I paused for a moment and I said, wait a minute, everything has changed. 
Everything we know about our clients has changed. Every single thing that we knew about from 2019 has changed. So we as salespeople have to change. And there's not a single person in the world that hasn't been impacted by the pandemic. And so I paused and I thought, what if instead of selling, like I have been trained to do, we solution with our clients. Mm. What if instead of as clients start to reimagine, reinvent and return to work, we built relationships with them. And what if, and this was, this was the way I was taught. So I was taught you spend 20% of your time um, building relationship and 80% of your time selling. What if we flip that and we spend 80% of our time connecting and building relationship and 20% of our time solutioning. And then I started reading about women and how women were successful in 2008 coming out of the financial crisis. And women in sales in 2008 were more successful so than men in sales. And I started researching that. And there's certain things that women do differently that make them more successful coming out of something like this pandemic. None of us have ever come out of a pandemic before, but right. things have changed. So we have to change. I like that. I, you know, that really, <clears throat> that really speaks to me on emphasizing the connection rather than the correction. Right. Um, I, I, one of the things you've probably heard that it's a, I don't know who said it first. It's one of the, my kind of mantras is you got to connect before you correct. Right. And I, I wish I knew who the owner of that was so I could give credit to it. Um, but I don't think, I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes salespeople give themselves a bad name or you, they have these low success rates like you talked about is because the emphasis is on what are we trying to say and what is our message and what are the activities or what, what, you know, how do I hit my quota and stuff like that rather than how do I connect? Why do you think that flip, I mean, making that flip speaks to me like really seriously. Why do you think so many people haven't already made that flip? Why do you think that's such a hard thing to do for people? So I will tell you, um, Rob, I was recently uh, training at Outbound Conference in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. And one yeah, of my, great one show. Of the, it was. It was a great, it was a great conference. And one of the attendees said to me afterwards, Sherilyn, and she's a sales trainer, so she goes, my clients won't do this. She said, my clients won't do what you said. And we talked about it. And I would say it's vulnerability. In order to connect with somebody, you have to be vulnerable. And we are taught in sales that there is no place for vulnerability in sales. And so it is, it is relearning everything we've ever learned. And as sales managers, we have to be vulnerable. And so we have to show our team a little vulnerability so that they're okay being vulnerable. Think about it, Rob. Right now, you are coming to me in my office, in my home. It's like you are in my house. Right. We are yeah. going into our clients' houses. They are coming into our houses. One of the first things I tell people is treat your Zoom calls like somebody is sitting in your living room because they really are. They're in your house. Talk about vulnerable. How many clients do you want traipsing through your house? Right. I mean, that's that's where it is. And so whether your spouse, your kids, or your dog walks past or, or, or theirs do, we're, that makes us all vulnerable. Um, mm. You know, and so it is just being okay with being a little vulnerable and it's being okay saying, oh, I have to pause for a minute because my two year old wants something. It's being okay when they want when, you know, I was talking to a client the other day and we were discussing a, a very large coaching deal and her Labrador jumps up and wants to get on the camera and she goes, oh, my, ba my baby wants to play. And <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, and so so I think it's vulnerability. And so. What I talk about in relationships is connecting with people. 
And when I start my Zoom calls, I always start them by saying, I would say, hey, Rob, you know, um, I just want to share a little bit about you, me and that I love, I'm a, I'm a foodie. I love dining. Um, I'm a dining hobbyist. And one of the best things I make in the kitchen is reservations. <laughs> and, and you see what you did? You that's chuckled. awesome. Yeah, okay? that's, that's great. I get every single one of my clients to chuckle. And I tell people, you don't have to tell a joke. You can just tell them something that lets them see that you're vulnerable and you're connected. I then say, you know, we have all had to change how we dine and how we eat. What's been your most positive dining or eating experience um, during the pandemic? So now they're talking about something positive. They chuckled. They're talking about something positive. I am a little vulnerable. I've given them permission to be a little vulnerable. Then we can move forward. People are not sick of Zoom calls. They are sick of, oh, the pandemic. It's so horrible. Yes, it's horrible. We all know it is. But make your clients chuckle. Make them laugh. Connect with them. That's, that is fantastic. You know, I, I think that's so good. And, and I think you're right. I think sometimes people feel this onus of I've got to justify why I'm here. And, and they're, they're so worried about getting things started because they're, they're worried about them. It is flipping the switch. It's for sure flipping things upside down. Is that something that like, listen, you've been in the game for 20 years. You've been doing it. You're like at the top of the table. You're one of the very best at what you do. You may have learned that over time. Is that something that maybe a lesser experienced person can do? Is that something that a sales leader can, can teach a younger salesperson can to do? Absolutely. So one of the, so um, I use a lot of um, mnemonics and acronyms to help make things easy to, um, to remember. And so, um, you know, so one of the ones that I, one of the things that I talk about is when you start a call, um, you know, um, smile, you know, um, make, um, be, um, so I use the acronym people. Okay. So be positive. Um, engage people is the E. Oh, be open. Open your hands. Open your heart. People can feel when your heart is open. Just, you know, um, and, and, and you're opening your house. Um, um, and then L is make people laugh. Um, and E is enjoy it. And S is smile. Um, you know, they say when we smile, not only do we look 10, 10 years younger and 20 pounds lighter, it, uh, and, you know, I mean, and so... I mean, why would we not smile? Okay. Um, smile is actually leaves more endorphins. We're not doing hand shakes. And you used to walk in and shake a client's hand and there was a connection. And that connection created um, the, the endorphins and, and the feel good hormones. Well, now all we have is our smile. I have been on so many calls and talked to sales professionals who are still very, you know, stern and or arms crossed. Open your heart, open your arms, smile, laugh. Be engaging. That's those are things you can teach people. Love it. And think about how you would welcome somebody into your home. We are warm and friendly when we offer when we bring somebody into our house. When we offer them something to drink. That's the way you approach your Zoom calls. Last question on this, and then I want to keep moving on these other post-pandemic sales strategies. I love this focus on connection. Can a customer sniff through? If you're not authentic in your desire to connect, I mean, is there, is there anything to that? Because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like, here's what I'm thinking. We got thousands of sales leaders listening to you right now. And you're going to have several hundred of them go and say, okay, fa- step one is we got to make sure we're connecting better, not just pitching better. And so I could see all kinds of like, quote unquote, trainings on how to connect, right? And like what you just gave with this people's ac- acronym, 
very authentic. Like I'm watching you do it. Like you're, you're smiling. Like I, I'm, I'm, I feel like this absolute authenticity. Um, any words on like, if you're trying to connect, like, is there anything other than that? Like, make sure you're real because I, I don't okay. want to just blow by that. I think, yeah. I think that could be a death trap if you get it wrong. Right. Right. It is. So one of the things that I talk about is empathy. Okay. And I don't know about you, but when I learned empathy, I was thought, taught the feel, felt, found method. And you say to clients, I know how you feel. I have felt the same way. And what I have found is yes. my, my product is a solution to your problem. Okay. That's a bunch of baloney. Anytime and now people you, say, don't you feel felt found me right now. I think, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. And so, so I want to say that the first, anytime you start a sentence with the word I, you are not being authentic. Okay. Good. And so, um, and you're not being empathetic. And so empathy is, is one, just being aware. Okay. You just want to pause. And I think one of the easiest things to learn is empathetic listening. And so there's three levels of listenings, and I'm just going to run through them real quickly. Level one is what I call restaurant listening. And most salespeople don't do this. This is when the waiter comes up and says, hey, Rob, you want steak or fish? And in your head, you're going, do I want steak? I had steak last week. Do I want fish? You are thinking in your head, you're not even listening to the waiter. That's that's level one listening. Level two listening is what most of us were trained to do. It is what you do when you're nodding your head, you're smiling, you're doing what you're reflecting back what you hear. Level three listening is listening between the words, mm. listening for tone, listening for what's not being said, listening for the emotion. And the best way to do that is to quiet your brain. And Rob, how we, one of the ways that we can quiet our brain is something that's called box breathing. And what I encourage people to do is you take, and we're going to do it right now, is you take four counts in, one, two, three, four, hold it at the top, two, three, four, blow it out, two, three, four, and hold it at the bottom, two, three, four. Now, what that does is it quiets your brain, it lowers your blood pressure, and it allows you to listen. If you do box breathing, you can connect with people because your brain is quiet, you can do empathetic listening, and it's a very simple technique to do when you start a call with a client and it makes it very easy to connect with them. What a terrific tactic. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. I'm very calm right now as I listen to you, now that I've done that, right? And, okay. <laughs> and, and, and now, if you were, now it makes it very easy for you to be empathetic listening mm. and listen to, am I really ready to solution? Am I worried about a riff? Am I worried about my mother who's in a nursing home? Uh, you know, am I worried about my children who should be at their desk and they're not and they're running around the house? So it's, you know, so it helps you be more in tune with what's really going on. I love it. All right. So connection. What's another post-pandemic strategy or tactic that you think people need to be hearing about right now? So there are five that I included in the book. CARD okay. is an acronym and CARD stands for the yeah. C stands for collaboration. Okay. A stands for analytical. R stands for relationships. D stands for development and S stands for strategy. So one of the things that once you have connected with somebody, um, the C stands for collaboration. And what I encourage people to do with collaboration is I talk about the four F's of a discovery call. And this is a discovery call that I've been encouraging um, sales um, managers, sales people, account managers, even SDRs are using some of this. And okay. it's the four F's and the four F's 
is the first question you ask is first, ask your clients, what was it like the first time you went in the office post-pandemic? What was it like the first time you, you know, opened your dental practice post-pandemic? What was it like the first time you met with a client post-pandemic? Whatever was that first experience? You want to understand what, what has changed, and that's what they will talk about. The second F is finest. What was the finest thing? What have you figured out? What have you done well? Okay. Okay. And the set, the third question is failure. What is the what is what is the pandemic just making so difficult? Now you want these questions related to what you're selling, but you still want to ask first, finest, failure. And the last question you want to ask a client is future. If you got it all right, what would the future look like? If a client tells you what was it like when they first went back, related to what you're selling, what they've figured out, what they're doing well, what they're failing at. And what they really would like the future, can you see how solutioning with them would be very easy? Well, I love all four of those. I can't think of a person that wouldn't benefit from those four. I mean, okay, yeah. And so it is okay to call your clients up and say, hey, Rob, you know, I've been wondering about how you're doing coming back from the pandemic. And a lot of yes. clients are doing this. Can I just, I just yes. would like to understand your experience. What was it like the first time you went back? What's been the finest thing? What's your biggest failure? And what does the future look like? Then you've connected with them. You understand that. Now we are solutioning. We are not selling. That's really good. And that's easy to implement too. You can role play that. You can practice that. You can use that as a place to like get into a conversation where you're now having a conversation rather than wondering what do I talk about? I I could see that being a great way to start every conversation is to go through that because it's very natural. It it will absolutely be authentic because it's going to only be about them. I love that. That's good. Mm. And and people like sharing their story and it gives you a way to really understand their experience. And if you use your level three listening with those four questions, excuse me, use level three listening. Oh, excuse me. We are cooking. (laughs) Okay, let's do that again. If you use level three, (laughs) okay, if you use level three listening with those four questions, you will be able to, can you see how you can be authentic, Rob? Can you see how you can connect with clients? Um, if If you lay it out that you make them, you use the people acronym, you um, open up your heart, you use empathetic listening, and then you use this as your discovery interview. Now, you're not selling, you're solutioning, and it's very easy. That's the thing. No one wants to be sold, right? <clears throat> but, and, and so I, I love that. So I, I love the cards. That's a great acronym. I love the way you think. Um, I think all sales leaders could take something from you because you put things in frameworks. You've given me in the... I don't know. We've been talking 30 minutes. You, you've, you've, you've given peoples and you've given cards and you got the four F's and you got level one, two, and three. I mean, what I like is the way you think in frameworks. It makes it easy for people to say, how can I apply this? That's a leadership lesson in itself right there. Well, thank you. So one of the things I do when I'm training and coaching is I'm all about action. So I, at the end of every <clears throat> training, I will always challenge everybody what are three things that you wrote down that you are going to implement? And I want them to very easily say, I'm going to do the grow model. I'm going to do the, three, you know, the four F's. I'm going to do, learn level three listening. It makes it very simple because you and I both know this. 
you can train and you can train, you can talk, talk all day, but if it doesn't, if they don't implement it, we're never going to see an uptick in sales. We're never going to see an increase in performance. And that's what I'm about. And that's why my clients do so well is because I come in, I hit them hard. I hit them with framework after ideas, after frameworks. And when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. So not mm. everybody's going to give everything. Yeah. And so I just, I lay so much out there that just pick up three things, write down three things that you're going to implement, write down the date you're going to implement them, put them in your calendar and make them happen. You're firing me up right now. Like I'm, 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 uh, I may never even release this episode because I'm so jealous. I want to keep it for me. This is, this is good stuff, Sherilyn. I, I, love, kind, Rob. Thank I, you. I, I love your approach. So, so I, I know we're going to run out of time because we got some other stuff on your mission that I want to talk about. Collaboration. That was we we went we went good on that. Can you just give a high level on analytical? Because I'm really interested in your in your thoughts around how we use that analytical thinking um, in the sales process post pandemic. I'm very interested in your thoughts around that. Absolutely. So under analytical, um, the the acronym I use is PALS. P is for perspective. A is for assumptions, and L is for our. Um, in our logic. Um, and so, Rob, what I share with you is um, when I was growing up, my mom had, a, and the, I don't know if you're old enough, on the back of the kitchen stove, my mom had a can of baking grease. Okay. And, and she had a jar of Oh, I remember those sugar. days. Okay. She, she had a yeah. jar of sugar sitting next to the stove. And every vegetable my mom made, she put a scoop of baking grease and a scoop of sugar in. And that's what I grew up eating. And that's what okay. I thought vegetables were. Somebody on my team who was from India, her mother came to visit and cooked for us and came to visit. And she brought out this, I don't know if you've seen this, this beautiful tray of spices. And it had little boxes of all these bright colored boxes. So if you talked about how my mom seasons food and how her mom seasons food, there was a totally different perspective there. So as a salesperson, one of the things that I challenge you to do is get a different perspective. Go and talk to somebody, again, who doesn't look like you, somebody who's older, somebody who's younger. Talk to a woman, talk to a female about how they like to be approached, about how they think about your product. That's number one. Number two is A, um, for challenging your assumptions. I had a client who created a video. He was selling a digital health um, tool. And he created a video because his father, this guy was 40 years old, his father in his 60s had fallen. And so he created a video pitching to 40 year olds how to use this digital health tool with 60 year olds. Well, I don't know about how old you are, but most 60 year olds are out biking and kayaking and hiking. And the last thing they want is a digital health tool, following them around and figuring out what they're doing. And so his, okay, perspective, yeah. his, his assumptions were wrong. The assumption should have been what do 60-year-olds need to use to monitor their 80- and 90-year-old parents? And so, so challenge your assumptions. I like that. And the same thing is challenge your logic. So if you're going to be analytical, you want to look at your assumptions, your, your, your perspectives, your assumptions, and your logic. So uh, that's how to be um, more analytical. How to be, we've talked about relationships uh, fairly extensively here and yeah. connecting and building relationships. The one on development is, I again, I have a growth mindset. Um, and I read many years ago that we should spend 70% of our time doing what we do well, 10% of our time del- uh, learning new things, and 20% of our time delegating what we don't do well. So uh, let me do that again. I got uh, it, yeah. I have a growth mindset. And several years ago, I learned about um, 
growth. And what I learned is that we should spend 70% of our time doing what we do well, 10% of our time learning new things, and 10% of our time delegating what we don't do well. So my challenge to you and to your listeners are, what is your 20%? What are you learning about? What are you growing on? And we have to grow. Our clients are growing. One of the things the pandemic has done is clients have spent all buying on their buying. They already know what they want to buy. They yeah. are they want a solution with somebody. They don't want to be sold to. If your clients are learning about your industry, if your clients know every all the trends, you have to know those trends. So what are you doing to keep yourself growing 20% of the time? I and like finally, that. strategic. And what what I look at strategy is strategy is about visioning. And we have to help our clients vision. And one of the visioning exercises that I do is called wish, wild wish, and fantasy. And, and people may say, say this sounds hokey, but I will tell you that I went out and used this strategy on the president of the, one of the largest health insurance companies in the United States. Okay. Okay. And I went into his office and at the time I was talking about risk adjustment, which was a fairly complicated um, product. And I probably had been in the job maybe uh, six weeks. I couldn't okay. spell risk adjustment. Okay, it was a new product okay. for me. Didn't know anything about it. And I asked him, I said, what is your wish when it comes to risk adjustment? And he told me, he said, you know what, Sherilyn? I wish that we could get, um, and risk adjustment leveled out how payments would. I wish that we could get the highest payment, one of the higher payments. I said, okay, what's your wild wish? He said, my wild wish is I really wish I understood risk adjustment. I don't understand it. And I said, what's your fantasy? He said, my fantasy is most of my, my regional presidents don't understand risk adjustment. How are we going to succeed at this if we don't understand it? He had bought a product he didn't understand. So when you ask clients about their wish, their wild wish, and their fantasy, you then really know where they are going and why they're going. And a lot of people call this getting behind the why. And if you ask people why, 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 it can be annoying. Yeah. And so I lighten it this up. This is a way bit. better. This is way and better. And I just say, what is your wish, your wild wish, and your fantasy? And this, this, this gentleman, like I said, he, when he told me that, I went back to my team. We met with all of the presidents and helped them. And we put together a risk adjustment um, learning module. We held, we held a risk adjustment um, quarterly town hall. Um, and in 90 days, I was able to increase their spend by 20%. They were $35 million. You know, 25, 20% of $35 million is? Big dollars, man. There's a lot of zeros yeah, on it was, that. It, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, six million, it was a, a little over $6 million um, new revenue that I added to the company in less than 90 days just by asking wish, wild wish, and fantasy. All right. I could sit on this. I, I, I love what you do so much. I've slowed down our pace and I'm sorry if I've, but we could have just talked about peoples or we could have just talked about cards, but I got to talk about safe conversations. I think that's one of the super important things. We got like just under 15 minutes left okay. and safe conversations. I think is something that every sales leader needs to hear. I think it's something that every sales leader needs to think about. How do they take it to their team? And I think you will be doing the sales leadership world a favor if you have them start thinking about that. Because when you introduced it to me, I kept thinking about it for a long time. And so I'd love it if you'd introduce that. Absolutely. So what Safe Conversations is, it's, it's, it's an article that I wrote um, for LinkedIn, and it was one of my highest read articles. And yeah. what Safe Conversations talks about is, 
um, given the social injustice that's um, been, the awareness that's been raised around this, Ben and Jerry said that silence is not an option. Mm. And when I saw that, I thought they're absolutely right. But what do we as sales leaders, what can we do? So SAFE is an acronym that stands for stance, um, gone. <laughs> All right. SAFE Conversations is an acronym that stands for taking a stance. So the S is stance. A is appreciate. Appreciate that my experience and your experience is different. F stands for feelings and E stands for empathy. So when I say take a stance, if you don't know what to say, saying nothing says you don't care. So I encourage you to stand up in front of your team or get on a call with your team and take a stance and say, I will not tolerate unconscious bias. I will not tolerate prejudice and I will not tolerate bullying. And to help you understand those differences, Kim Scott has a great book out called Just Work. And she says that unconscious bias is not meaning it. Conscious, I mean, um, prejudice is meaning it and bullying is just being mean. And, and there's a lot of bullies right now, by the way. There are, there are. And so what Kim says is that rather than being bystanders, we should become upstanders. And so check out Kim's Ooh. book if you want to learn how to become an upstander. But let your team know you will not tolerate unconscious bias, even if you don't mean it. Um, prejudice, if you mean it. And bullying is just being mean. So take a stance with your team. Talk about that. Number two is you have to appreciate that your experience as a white male going out of the front door of your home is going to be different than my experience as a black woman. And let me just share a a, a story with you very quickly here. Um, I am a, a badass motorcycle chick. I don't know if you know this, but I love riding on the back of my husband's motorcycle. And so we had gone out to a Target in a predominantly white area. I walk in in my black boots, my black pants, my big black and yellow jacket. I've got a baseball cap on. And I walk into a Target and a white guy walks up to me and says, do you work here? And I thought it was a joke. And everybody at Target, everybody knows that people in Target wear red shirts and khaki bottoms. And he got in my face and he was adamant about, do you work here? Well, as a white guy, that is not going to happen to you. So you have to appreciate that our experience is going to be different. F stands for feelings. When George Floyd was killed, what did you feel? And if you didn't feel anything, pause for a moment and imagine, Rob, if that was your son or your father or your brother or your cousin or your uncle. That's how I felt. That's how black and brown people felt watching that. And so get in touch with your own feelings um, is, is what we have to do. If you can't relate, just think that he was somebody's father, somebody's brother, uncle, son, dad. And so that's important. And the final one is empathy. And we've talked about empathy. Be empathetic with people in your office. Be empathetic. And, and I want to tell you just another quick story about empathy. I was driving to work one day on a two-lane highway um, in, in, in Maryland, and I went around a, a, a white van. Um, just like a lot of us do, he was sitting there to turn. He didn't like the fact that I, I flew past him in my Audi. He pulled up behind me, 
And he got out and started kicking my door and pounding on my woman, my window and said, what? I'm going to kill you. Yes. What? And he's yelling and cussing at me and pounding. And so the light changes. I move forward. He follows me again. He gets out. He comes back. He's got a pipe. What? He's coming at me with a pipe. And I pull to the middle of the intersection and say, if he's going to kill me, he's going to do it in front of everybody in rush hour traffic. He leaves. I call the cops. I go on to work. When I get into work, I go up to the executive floor. I'm an executive in the company. And our CEO walks around every morning. And he's looking in the windows. And the CEO usually walks by and gives you a thumbs up. He gives me a thumbs up. And I'm standing there. He walks in. And I start shaking. He lays his phone down. He calls his admin and says, cancel my meeting for the next hour. He lays his phone down and he is present with me. That's empathy. Mm. He didn't try to fix it. He didn't ask questions. He was present with me until I could get calm enough that we then solutioned what I could do. But I share this story to say, if he wasn't an empathetic leader, he would have thumbs up and kept on walking. And I would have just stood there. And I and like I said, I didn't cry until he came in and he sat down and he called his admin and he just sat there. He didn't say where he just sat and he was present with me. First of all, what a great leader. Second of all, what a crazy story. I, I, I can't imagine. So now going to your safe, I, it's hard for me to even appreciate what that would be like. I that's that's crazy. That's why I like this framework. I'm sorry I just shifted gears so fast. I think this is important. Your story about your leader having that 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 um, that story with you, sharing that experience—that's what I'm looking for. Sharing that experience with you, meaningful. I can see it in your face. I can feel it the way you share it. How much you appreciated that. Uh, as leaders, you know, we're at a different time. It's you know, post-pandemic. The social right. justice thing is very real, and um, we need to be able to have safe conversations about it, and not just push it to the side. And, and as a leader, we've got to make it okay to have conversations that aren't agenda driven or aren't any of those things. And I, that's why I like this so much. Make it clear. This is where we stand. I'm going to be appreciative of where you're coming from. We're going to, you know, try to understand feelings and, 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 and empathize, right. And, right. and not fix. I, what right. I love is that you pointed out fixing is not part of your acronym anywhere. It is not. It is just being present. And look at how present you were with me. And so kudos to you, Rob, for being present with me. Kudos to you for being in touch with your emotions and your feelings. And that's what it's about. And so that's what I challenge um, your readers and your listeners to do is um, have safe conversations. And if you didn't take the notes, if you go to my LinkedIn um, page, one of the one of the. post that is tagged to, uh, to my on my homepage is my safe conversations. It will stay there is an article. It's in LinkedIn. Um, so if you want to get the, the, the details, it's there. Um, it's also on my website. Um, but again, I challenge every one of your listeners um, to become an empathetic leader, become the type of leader that that my president was, that he was able to pause. And I have no, no idea who his next appointment was. And he didn't even process that. It was like, I'm going to be present with you right now. What a great story. Listen, we're going to finish the way I always finish here in a minute, but I want to give you a chance to kind of wrap this up with like maybe a way to put a bow on it. And uh, this has been terrific. Sherilyn, I knew that we were going to have a good time today. I knew it was going to be something I really appreciated. I'll, I'll be better off 
uh, and what I do as a, as a human being, what I do as a parent, father, what I do as a sales coach, sales leadership trainer, I'll be better off because of my conversation with you today. So I want to thank you for that. Oh, um, thank you. That was very kind of you. Thank you. That's what I, I mean it. So let's put a bow on it and then we'll, we'll start to wrap this up and make it easy for people to get in touch with you, make it easy for people to get your book, make it easy for all those things to happen. Um, thinking about all the things we just talked about and, and your body of work, particularly in the last call 18 months, pandemic leading into post pandemic, anything based on all these acronyms and all this great framework you put together, is there like one or two things you would suggest sales leaders, you got thousands of them listening to you right now. Okay. Is there one or two things sales leaders should like intentionally start doing that maybe they didn't do? Was there like one or two new non-negotiables for a leader? And you say, listen, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I love how you said, I got 10 things here. If you just start doing one or two, that's great. Is there a one or two say, these are now non-negotiables. They're not just good ideas. Whatever you do in today's world as a sales leader, do this. So I would challenge sales leaders to be um, vulnerable and connect with their team members. If you connect with your team members, you are demonstrating to them how to connect with clients. So lead, be an empathetic listener, um, be an empathetic leader, um, understand what's going on with your team members. And so I would just challenge leaders to build relationships with your team members so that they can emulate what you model. That's awesome. You drop your mic, man. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And thank you. Cause I, I believe people are the world's greatest reflectors. And, uh, and whenever you're looking at people that work with and for you, uh, if you like what you see, look in the mirror because you're probably reflecting it. If you don't like All what right. you see, you should still look in the mirror and we got to make some changes. Right. And so absolutely. That's awesome. So let's do the rapid fire real fast. And let's, let's, uh, I can't wait to get your take on the three things that we ask everyone and then we'll make it easy to get with you. This has been terrific. Thanks so much, Sherilyn. Thank um, you. It's been my pleasure. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge that you see right now. And, and how do you beat it? Um, biggest sales leadership challenge I would say is um, coming up with a way to diversify your team add new mm. gen, next gen, add women, add diversity. Um, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to do that. Step outside your comfort boat zone and, and add diversity. And that's one of our greatest challenges, I think. You know, we didn't even get into that. That should be another episode that all we do is talk about intentionally creating diversity. I like that. Thank you for bringing that up Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry we ran out of time because you had okay. so much to offer. I, okay. But I'd that, love to come back and chat yeah, with you. That's a good one. You're right. That is a big leadership challenge. Thank you for pointing that one out. Number two, when you're building a team and you've built a lot of them, okay, um, is there a go-to interview question or topic that you really have learned to have be a go-to? And, and what is it you're looking for when you're leveraging that that concept or topic? Um, So I always use behavior-based questions. So I tell somebody, so tell me about a time that you actually closed your biggest deal and what you did. And I'm looking for strategy, vision, how they overcame obstacles, their approach, how they built relationships. So not what would you do, just tell me about your greatest sale. What did you do? What did you do? And (laughs) behavior-based questions are always, what did you do? What did you do with a, 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 tell me about the biggest deal you lost and what did you do? Tell me about, and all of my questions are tell me about. So use behavior-based questions, but I love, tell me about your biggest deal and what did you do? And it gives me a clearing idea of how they approach sales. 
So good. Last one, leaders or readers. And we're going to make it easy for people to, to get a hold of your book. Uh, and, and I can't wait for to hear from my listeners how much they like your book. It, I, it's terrific stuff. But as we found that the great leaders never stop trying to learn, I love like your, you know, try to have 20%, but what am I doing to develop and grow in your growth mindset? Is there a book that you would recommend that people get a hold of if they want to accelerate their leaders, their sales leadership career? Um, I, I go back to the basics and I love sales management simplified by Mike Weinberg. Um, it is one of my go-tos when I'm coaching. It is one of the books I always recommend the sales leaders read. If it's not on your bookshelf, it should be. It is a, it is a go-to if you're, if you're struggling with something and you can always go back to it. Um, and it's a great guide. Weinberg's book, Weinberg's book is a good one. I love that one. Thank you for suggesting it. We are, we've run long. I apologize to you, but I don't apologize to our listeners. They are, they're going to give you a treat. I appreciate it. How do they get more of you, Sherilyn? How do they get your book? How do they connect with you? How do they continue to, to get your perspective and, and maybe continue the conversation if that's what they want to do or, or learn more about CGI or Sisters in Sales? How, how do they do all of that? Absolutely. So you can get, you can get my book at postpandemicselling.com. So again, that's postpandemicselling.com. You can reach me at masterfulselling.com or sherilynkasselman.com. And or you can connect with me at um, sistersandsales.com. That's S-I-S-T-A-S-I-N-S-A-L-E-S, sisters in sales. And LinkedIn as well. You're pretty active. Oh, absolutely. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post just about every day. Um, Most of the the tips and and, and ideas that I'm sharing here, I have posted on LinkedIn. They're also on the blogs on my website. Um, Like I said, the Safe Conversations is tagged. Um, One of my posts um, and most read articles is there. Um, and, And I would love to... Um, talk to anybody who wants to talk about safe conversations, talk about increasing black and brown women um, on your sales team, learn more about sisters in sales, or just about what I do in, in building cohorts to drive exponential revenue growth. And Rob, it's been an absolute delight and treat to chat with you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Sherilyn Castleman, she is helping sales teams all around the world. She is doing more than her fair share to try and help create more effective, more diverse, you know, better sales teams that are just literally too good to be ignored. I have enjoyed every second of this conversation. If you have not connected with Sherilyn, take my advice, connect with her today, get a hold of her book. You'll be better off as a result. Sherilyn, thank you so much for joining us. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And man, I have to tell you, I love Sherilyn's Sherilyn's mission. If you didn't catch it, she says it in the first two minutes of the show when she says her mission is to help those she works with be too good to be ignored. And that's a mission every single leader can get behind, right? Helping reps too good to be ignored is also one of the reasons I chose to partner with Scipio. I want to thank him for being a a sponsor and a partner of the show because Scipio will help you get texting done right. Since I've started this partnership with Scipio, I've had a lot of sales managers hit me up and tell me that they've taken the opportunity to, to try the technology and they've told me how much they like the Scipio platform. It's simplicity. It's powerful features. The impact that happens when texting is done right. It makes this tool a no brainer for the modern salesperson. 
Listen, not all text messaging platforms are created equal. In fact, I've had other ones reach out to me since I started this sponsorship. And I can tell you I've checked them out. And Scipio's is the best one I've ever seen. If you're looking to engage more with your clients and are also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, then start using Scipio. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one that I've had a chance to evaluate. It's just that simple. I know the team personally. I know they'll give you an amazing experience. And I know their tech does the job right. So take advantage of a free month with no strings attached. Compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com. Tell them I sent you by using the code ROB on the sign-up page. You'll love it. Go pick the best uh, uh, program that they have. Put that code in, Rob. Watch it go to zero. And then go out and find out what happens when texting is done right. You're going to be blown away how quickly it could change the game for you and the members of your team. Podcast is also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, if you're like most sales leaders, you've been left to figure out your sales leadership system on your own. If that's the case, you need to hit me up, right? While there's no shortcuts to success, you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. If you like the content of my podcast, you will love the content that I put in my community for sales leaders. It's Sales Leadership United. Think of it like the Home Depot for sales leaders with my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials. You'll find everything you need there, okay? Um, and, and then one step farther, if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a really great time to give it a try. There's a reason the greatest performers in the world invest in themselves, and that's in every discipline. And the reason is you want to save your most precious resource. It's your time. Teeny tiny improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And so if you can win just a little more and win just a little faster, you'll create massive results. And if you want those small advantages that create massive results, hit me up today. Okay, I think Sherilyn's energy is infectious contagious and that we're all better off for having listened to her today. Now there's a ton of things that this conversation made me think of. For example, the importance of diversity. Uh, another one, the responsibility we have to help people grow faster than if we left them on their own. Uh, another one to have conversations that might be uncomfortable sometimes, or that might be awkward. There's a ton of things that this conversation made me think of. Okay. But I think what screamed loudest to me was the importance of connecting with the people you lead. And what I mean by that is the people you work with and the people you work for. I have always, always, always believed that you must connect before you correct. Uh, it's one of my laws, right? And, and just this morning, for instance, I, I had the opportunity to be on a coaching conversation with one of my leaders. Uh, it was a fan, he's a person's a fantastic leader, but this concept of coaching the whole person and connecting with where they are in their journey was the primary focus of what we discussed and gave them tools on how to do it. Um, but what I really liked about Sherilyn's perspective is that she has frameworks. She doesn't just talk about it. She gave you frameworks for how you can do it. And with frameworks, you can build discipline and success so much faster. And I think that as leaders, we sometimes don't have conversations that we need to have because we just don't know how. They make Maybe it makes you feel awkward. Maybe you're unsure of the best way to do it. I have actually had people call me before and say, can you help me know how to have this conversation? And, and that's why I really found what she had to offer to be so tactical. It wasn't just like good advice. She broke it down and gave us tactics, and it was awesome. Um, I, I think that the first thing that she points to is choosing vulnerability, and I liked that. Um, you know, she shared how she found that the most successful leaders, and this came out of the the Great Recession that we had back in '08, where she found it's when studies really started showing that women were outperforming their male counterparts. And one of the key reasons why 
was they were better at the empathy. They were better, better at the connection. And most people were spending 80% of the time on solution and only 20% of the time on connection. And she observed that that needed to be flipped. And I think she's right. You know, start by spending 80% of your time on the connection and 20% of the time on the actual solution or the correction. And you'll find that you're going to have a lot more success. I, I thought that was really insightful. I think she's dead on. And I think that you got to do more than just talk about connection. You got to have a method or a process to help you do it. And that's why I gravitated to her frameworks. For example, her four F's, right? Go back and listen to the four F's. If you didn't write them down, go back and write it down. Her safe conversation framework, S-A-F-E, right? And um, she went over it in great detail. I I thought that was fantastic. And she has these and more in her book that you really ought to think about going and grabbing and checking out. Because all of it really helped you have tools to help you be an upstander versus a bystander, which I think is something that we need to really take seriously right now. But I think you can't ask your reps to empathize and focus on connection with their clients if you're not modeling that for them first. That was one of the things she said at the very end is that we've got to show them what that looks like. We've got to show them what that feels like. And so... I, I, I've said it a hundred times on this show alone. I've said it even more than other places, but I think that right now it's more important than ever to work with and coach the whole person and not just the salesperson. So go back and listen to her perspective on connection and implement these conversation frameworks. I can tell you I've given them a try since I had this conversation with her and they've made an almost immediate difference. They're easy to use. It feels good. It feels natural. And the people that I'm talking to like it. And what it has reinforced to me is the better you connect, then the more impact you can create. So if you want to have legendary or elite impact, give these frameworks a try. Sherilyn, thanks so much for helping me out with this important topic. Um, I, I really have become better at what I do because I've used some of the things you shared. And I appreciate you helping our leaders learn how to have better conversations so they can become better uh, with those that they're working with and ultimately do what your mission is to become too good to be ignored. Listen, to everyone listening, Sherilyn's a great follow. If you haven't connected with her yet, do it. Check out her work. Check out her book. Find ways to be an upstander, not a bystander. And and you're going to find that everything you do is more fulfilling as a result. I also want to thank Scipio, our, our, our only partner and sponsor we've ever taken. If you haven't done so already... Head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of the 30-day trial by using their tool for yourself. Listen, if you like the show, uh, do yourself a favor and just give Scipio a chance. Go to their sign-up link, enter the code with Rob, watch your price go down to zero, and then start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with. You'll get results faster than you may have thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode... Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world to come on my show. And I'll finish with this. Choose to be elite. Choose to live strong. And absolutely chase your passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, 
discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.